Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar uh, with myself, Rory Petrie and of course Mark Broadhurst as always, your hosts on the Bundesliga show. Uh, season's greetings as the countdown to the, well, the winter break is on uh, for a lot of Bundesliga teams. There's not a lot of festive cheer at certain teams at the moment, but we will go straight into that once we have done our usual little bit of admin so please if you are watching on youtube please do click the big red button so that you can subscribe to the show and do not miss on uh miss out on any content that is going to be coming out in the next few weeks we've got a very busy christmas schedule packed in lots and lots of guests coming up as well so yes please do subscribe and do the same if you're listening on a audio platform and leave us a rating and a review uh, so let's get into things. As always, we're going to head over to Mark for Mark's mystery anagram. So you can run us through the answer to last week's and this week's new anagram. So Mark, straight over to you for anagram fun. Yeah, so let's get straight down to uh, recap last week's anagram, which was, as you can see at the bottom of your screen, it was Raglan Cost Zoo. Yeah. And that was indeed, it was actually uh, Stuttgart's fantastic veteran of the Bundesliga, Gonzalo Castro, who was actually missing uh, this weekend for Stuttgart, which will come on to their excellent weekend in a minute. But yeah, actually nobody got it correct this week as well. So come on again. I think the last few weeks someone's got it right, but this week nobody got it right a pretty tough one though to be fair not the easiest one you're ever going to face but yeah it was gonzalo castro the excellent attacking midfielder from vfb stuttgart okay so let's uh, quickly progress on to this week's new anagram which is uh, another good one which is a bunker severely so let's just have a quick uh, if you if you guys are listening on uh, the podcast Please take a pen and I will read it slowly for you. If you are watching on our YouTube channel, then remember to comment and interact with us as much as possible because we really want to hear you guys interacting with us. So it's A, there's one word. And the second word, bunker, which is B-U-N-K-E-R. And then it's severely, which is S-E-V-E-R. E-L-Y, a bunker severely. So remember, guys, that all of the, um, the the anagrams, all of Mark's Mysteries anagrams are related to the Bundesliga, which is a, either a player, a head coach, or a team from the Bundesliga. So remember, interact with us, comment on our YouTube channel. We, we're looking forward to And we'll give you a shout-out next week on the show when if you get the answer correct so yeah so uh, yeah so that's the end of mark's mystery anagram for the week so let's quickly move on now to a roundup of the results which actually was a weekend which contained quite a lot of shocks as well over the course of the the three match days this weekend so let's have a look as you can see on the bottom of your screen 
you see the results for week 11 of the Bundesliga season. So it started with a Friday night 2-1 win for Wolfsburg. I think this was a game that just about everyone had written down as a draw, considering that they both of these sides like drawing. But yeah, Wolfsburg with a late Vout Weghorst winner there with his ninth goal of the season, which we'll talk about more a bit later. And moving on to the Saturday games, we had an incredible result. Dortmund won Stuttgart five. So a fantastic result for Stuttgart and a horror show from a uh, the Dortmunders this weekend. Then, yeah, Gladbach won, Hertha Berlin won in quite an even game. Freiburg with a comfortable 2-0 win over Bielefeld. Then we had a, an important 1-0 away win for FC Cologne away in Mainz. The 10-man Cologne as well, who finished the game with 10 players. Then um, we had a very, very easy 2-0 win. Leipzig over Werder Bremen, as comfortable as you're going to get in any league, really. Then a, a, an entertaining one-all draw between Union Berlin and Bayern Munich, so more points dropped for Bayern. Then moving on to the Sunday games, two entertaining goal fests, really. A two-all draw between Augsburg and Schalke, who are still winless. And um, an, a brilliant 4-1 win for Leverkusen over nine-man Hoffenheim, who are just not doing it this season, really, are they? So that's your recap of the results for Week 11. So let's swiftly move on to Over the Bar's Featured 4 for this week. So remember, we like to pick out the four best games from the nine fixtures of the Bundesliga every week. This week, uh, we have four excellent games again that we're going to analyse in a bit more detail. But I think there's no better place to start this weekend than at the Signal Iduna Arena in Dortmund, where Dortmund were just absolutely battered. 5-1 at home to Sugar. I mean, to be honest, Rory, I think 5-1 flatters Dortmund more than anybody. Let's be honest with that one. Yeah, what I mean, what a game. What, what a turn up for the books. Certainly not one that many people would have been able to predict. I think we both thought it would be a high-scoring game that Stuttgart would maybe narrowly lose. Um, so, yeah, amazing performance by Stuttgart. And, I mean, what, what has happened to, to Dortmund of late? I, I mean, obviously, the, the kind of breaking news... That is, that is, you know, coming out of, you know, Germany today is that obviously that the manager Favre has, you know, has been removed from his position. So he's, yeah, he's old news, uh, so to speak. And, and the club are now going to be searching for a replacement, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little while. But yeah, as for the game itself, Dortmund was completely just obliterated by, I mean, Stutt Stuttgart's obviously high press that they employ and, Dortmund just weren't able to ha to handle it, um, and then in the second half, especially once Stuttgart got narrowly ahead, Dortmund just went for the jugular and trying so much to get back into the game that Stuttgart just picked them off on the breaks and wonderful finishes and goals from from Silas, from Kuibali, and obviously from um, from Gonzalez as well once he came on. Um, so Stuttgart are absolutely irresistible. They're, they've been a breath of fresh air into the Bundesliga uh, since obviously the coming uh, up from two Bundesliga. Uh, we weren't really sure what quad they might produce, obviously with a young team, but they've just gone for teams really. And obviously they can probably, you know, 
sense sense that there was something to be had this weekend with everything that's been going on and Dortmund not really producing the goods and there being a lot of potential to get in behind the, the Dortmund defence, which frankly was appalling. Um, so, yeah, every credit to Stuttgart, they deserve it. They're looking smashing and um, and this is a, a Stuttgart team this weekend. That was minus... Um, obviously, our anagram of uh, of last week, Gonzalo Castro. He's an influential player for them. Didabi as well has been really good for them this season. And, of course, the man who came off the bench as well. So this is not a full-strength Stuttgart team either. So an amazing amount of credit. I thought Kuabali led the line perfectly, really did a great job. And then Silas was, was unplayable as well, basically. So, yeah, amazing game. And... Amazing stuff from Stuttgart. What what performance that was? Yeah, I think there's literally there's no end to the number of players Stuttgart players that are having amazing seasons this year. Let's be honest, like throughout the midfield, all the way through to the wingers and the I mean the defense. Yeah, at times it can be a bit shaky, but I mean the it's just really working for uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo's man, <laughs> my favorite name in in uh, German <laughs> football. Yeah. But I mean, even even the likes of Klimovic coming in today. I mean, he could have had a couple yeah. of goals as well, smashing the post in that in that crazy 15-minute period when uh, Stuttgart got three goals and hit the post and could have had a penalty. I mean, that was a stone wall penalty as well. Wasn't it? Like, was. The referee took pity on Dortmund, to be honest with you there, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, it was a stone wall and it could even have been a red card as well on top of that. So it it could have been even worse easily. I mean, even in the first half, which ended one one. Like, I mean, it was all Stuttgart, wasn't it? I mean, obviously, a, a nice goal from Rayner, who, to be honest, in the last few weeks, he has been one of uh, Dortmund's few bright sparks, really, because it's been a, it's been a drab last few weeks from Dortmund. So many players in that side underperforming. I mean, we talked a lot about Jude Bellingham, but, I mean, he was just atrocious in this game, wasn't he? <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. giving the ball away for that, I think it was a fourth goal. I mean, it was just, yeah. then he just slowly trudged back and Koulibaly curled in that excellent strike. And it was just like, um, I mean, obviously he is a young player, Jude Bellingham, and I don't want to get in his back too much, but is it, could it be a bit much like exposing him to so much game time? I mean, he's what, he's 17 years old, you know? I mean, I know they paid a big price tag, but it is a big step up from the English Championship to the Bundesliga, especially for one of the big two clubs in the Bundesliga. Rory, do you think he's getting a bit too much game time at the minute, maybe? Um, yeah, it's a weird one, really, because he's come he's come up with a lot of hype and, and he's, generally speaking, had a good start to life in Germany. I think, obviously, hit the ground running, getting a goal in, in the DFB Pokal Cup match. Um and then since then, I think he's had a couple of decent games here and there. But I think perhaps maybe the weight of expectation is a little bit much for, you know, a 17-year-old. It's not as an awful lot of kind of pressure to take on onto your shoulders. Um, and he's probably helped by the fact that there actually aren't fans in the stadium because naturally if... You know, if the you know the black and yellow army and you know, I had seen such a performance like that, and you know the whole atmosphere, like they would have they would have been on top of him, like because there there's probably certain things that a player can get away with in theory when there aren't fans there because fans demand certain standards of players, and obviously if you're there in the stadium, you can you can let players know that by showing your disapproval. Um, but you know, games are still on TV and they're there for everyone to see and. 
like you, you mentioned how he obviously gave the ball away and then trudged back, as he said. Like that, that for me was kind of reminiscent of the way that Paul Pogba sometimes plays for Man United. The fact that he kind of he's very lazy getting back effectively, and that's not what I really associated with Bellingham. So I was quite shocked to see that in terms of a reaction, and that for me, in a way, was probably a team that had just stopped playing for Favre. And so obviously moving on to the manager. Um, it, it seemed like his time was abruptly coming to an end anyway, um, even potentially before this game. Uh, just things didn't seem quite right. There's also a bit of an over-reliance on Haaland already, which is is not good for that team because Haaland himself is obviously a young a young lad. So he can't always being has to take the brunt of, of the pressure of scoring goals. Um, so... Obviously, there's going to be a certain amount of names that are linked with Dortmund, and it's obviously it's a very big pull because they're such a big club. So I'm sure they wouldn't be short of suitors. Um, whether they just try and get through to the winter break now in the next few games and then try and get someone in post, we'll have to see. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they go for and then whether it changes their style of play. Um, obviously, a new manager is a new chance for players to to get back into the first team um but at the moment they're yeah they're they're short they're not going to be going you know anywhere near a Bundesliga title at at present they're they're being helped by other results I think in the league but there's yeah there's certainly a lot of better teams at the moment than Dortmund which is uh it's a shame to see because uh a Dortmund team playing well is exactly what the Bundesliga thrives off, really. So hopefully we'll see them playing some good football very uh, very soon. Yeah, I think regarding the manager, obviously, I think Edin Terzic has come in uh, to the uh, the fold there. He is being uh, kind of uh, proclaimed as a disciple of Jurgen Klopp as well. So he did work. He was part of the club under Klopp. So I guess... First and foremost, they've got to hope that he comes good, really. I mean, he is uh, in the you've got to remember a lot of people don't remember realize that in the German system, the it's very much a head coach. And in, in the vast majority of clubs, I think pretty much every German club, they have a director of football above them who kind of dictates the transfers and the more political side and the business side of the game. So you've got to question whether the likes of Mauricio Pochettino, who, who a lot of the fans I hear do want, uh, is whether he'll want to take a job where he's only the head coach rather than the manager, you know, because obviously managers that have come from the Premier League, they're used to having full control, transfers, tactics, team selection, press conferences, just about everything, you know, yeah. whereas I think uh, in, in Germany, it's very much the person who replaces Favre will be a head coach, you know. And I think that's why you notice a lot of the German clubs, they prefer to take German coaches. Like you look at Leipzig taking Nagelsmann, obviously um, Bayern taking Hansi Flick and before that Robert Kovac, who started out at Frankfurt. So they like the big German teams. They do like to take uh, managers and coaches who, who have experience with the German system. And I think the two the two men that have been linked in the long term, if it doesn't work out for, the, uh, for Edin, I think it will um, be likely Marco Rosa or Jesse Marsh, really, from RB Leipzig. Because obviously, again, RB Leipzig is a club that also, not RB Leipzig, RB Salzburg, you know, Red Bull Salzburg over in Austria. That's another club that kind of operates very much like um, in the German system as well with a head coach and then a director of football who does that side of things. I was a little bit surprised that uh, Ralph Hasenhutl wasn't mentioned as well so far. 
because obviously he is an Austrian guy and he, he does have experience in the German system. But I guess with Southampton doing so well, you've got a question whether he want to leave, to be honest, because I think, uh, but then again, the, for, for a guy who comes from a German speaking country, I think the lore of Borussia Dortmund could be a little bit too much. But also you've got a question, will will uh, Dortmund be able to afford the release fee for Hasenhutl as well? Because yeah. a lot of German clubs are struggling financially at the minute due to the pandemic. And you've got a question, yeah. will they be able to afford that? Uh, Rory, any thoughts on who might replace him in the long run? I mean, the, the name that at the moment stands out to me would be Marco Rosa. Um, the certain whispers going around that there could be some sort of agreement already in place for next season. Um, obviously, that is just rumour. Uh, but that that would certainly be something that would be quite an exciting prospect. Um, the, the manager, obviously, has done has done great work at Mönchengladbach already. Um, so I like the way he plays football. I'm sure lots of Borussia Dortmund fans would be quite happy with that. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, it they could they could be in trouble with regards to you know, obviously financially trying to buy coaches out of contracts. Um, other teams potentially playing hardball, which I completely understand. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what transpires over the next few weeks and indeed months. But uh, plenty of work for Dortmund to do for sure. Yeah, and I think another key thing we related to Dortmund is like maybe an, uh, a coach or a manager would want assurances that they can keep Sancho and Haaland as well. Because I think, I mean, if you're Sancho and Haaland now, you're going to be on your phone to that agent and say, get me a move out of that club as soon as possible, you know, because obviously the maybe that could, some people might see that as a bit extreme because they are very young players. But I mean, a footballer's career is very short, you know. And when you've got players that are being touted by some of the top Premier League clubs, by some of the big German and Spanish clubs, I mean, you've got a question, you're looking at that Dortmund team at the minute and you're thinking, can I realistically win a big trophy in the next two or three years of this club? And the answer is probably no at the moment. So, I mean, if you are Sancho or Haaland, you're probably going to be looking at the situation a little bit come January and especially next summer when the, the, the big transfer window reopens. So, yeah, Let, let's move swiftly on to the next game, which was another really good game and a, a hammering for Hoffenheim, but a really good performance from Bayer Leverkusen. I mean, everything's just going right for Bayer at the minute. Like, I know I tipped them to finish second at the start of the season. They started the season with three draws, which was a little bit disappointing, but obviously top of the table now after 11 fixtures. They've really come on strong, and especially Leon Bailey, who's being increasingly linked with Arsenal, by the way. But again, do Arsenal have the funds to take him? Probably not, really. And would you want to go to Arsenal? Even less reason. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's all looking good for, for Leverkusen, isn't it, Rory? Do, do you think they can really uh, kind of maintain a title push on the basis of this performance? Oh, yeah, I think uh, on the basis of it, um, as you mentioned, slightly slow start um, to the season. But since, you know, game week four or, or something around then, they, they have really clicked into gear. And frankly speaking, they they are by far and away probably the most impressive team so far this season. Um, out of all the six teams that have had to manage their squads in terms of European competitions, they've obviously got the balance perfect as well. Um because obviously certain teams have struggled or we've even seen Bayern dropping points, which they uh, don't characteristically do in recent years. Um, they've hammered 
um, the opposition in the Europa League, which obviously I guess is somewhat subpar um, opposition potentially, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. Uh, and then they come back and play on a Sunday and, and they've been doing it superbly well. And the goals are now flooding in every game. They've got two strikers who have got goals in their, in their lockers. You've got Bailey and Diaby on on either side of them. And, and obviously, we've just mentioned that Bailey has really started to hit form of late. Um, he's starting to contribute goals on a regular basis. Um, and so, if obviously, we're kind of talking about this game this weekend. Um, the first goal from the short corner, uh, obviously, I don't think he's meant to do it. I think he's meant to whip it in as a cross, not a shot. Um, but it's a hell of a delivery and it ends up going in, you know, obviously in, into the top corner and then he's on hand to uh, to pinch the second goal as well, which is a brilliant kind of thing to have as a striker's instinct. So he's obviously, you know, absolutely flying at the moment. And then um, just the, the whole team kind of going forward looks really exciting. Florian Verts again, young lads coming through at the moment. He is one play player that is completely thriving in this in this system under under Bosch. Um, so they're looking unbelievably um, good at the moment and they're you know they are genuine title contenders they've got a great chance of winning the Europa League as well I'd say um, so they're looking really really strong on a lot of fronts they've also got a very secure base at the back I think Tapsoba is a very good prospect at the moment with Jonathan Tarr at the back you've got the Bender brothers as well who are very reliable players um, so that yeah you kind of you're set up perfectly really and it's looking really exciting and really good um for, for Leverkusen at the moment uh on the other side of that is probably an example of a team that have just not got the balance right at all in terms of balancing out their European ambitions which has gone really well as they are of course through um to the knockout rounds of of the Europa League alongside Leverkusen but yeah on on the the league from Hoffenheim have just imploded a little bit and and are, you're starting to really dangerously get drawn into the the bottom of the table which would be really well obviously it's not something that a Hoffenheim fan potentially would have expected this season um, I certainly was one person that thought they'd do you know satisfactorily uh, good again like a top six I think I predicted so yeah that I mean obviously the two sendings off in the second half completely killed the game as they go back to 2 1, you've got a chance. Um, but yeah, they're obviously a bit of an over reliance on Kramerich, perhaps. So yeah, not, not a good weekend for, for Hoffenheim in the end, but they were hit by a very uh, on form Leverkusen side that would probably beat anyone in the league at this rate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're, they're really hot on form. But I think there is one point that you didn't quite mention there. Like, obviously, uh, Leverkusen completely dominated the first half. But then, I mean, maybe the only question mark you'd have over Leverkusen is sometimes the game management isn't the best, you know. Because I think the uh, Hoffenheim came out after doing pretty much nothing in the first half. They got the early goal through Baumgartner. And then yeah. Baumgartner had another chance a few minutes later, which could easily have made it 2 all as well. So, I mean, from going from 2-0 ahead and cruising, they could easily have gone in a 2 all after about 52 minutes. So, I mean, it's uh, a little bit concerning there. But then again, two or three minutes after that, they strike the third goal through uh, through Vietz. So, yeah, I mean, it's... 
that that on the the flip side that shows the killer instinct is there as well and then obviously the, the sendings off for Grilich and Stefan Posh kind of killed Hoffenheim and rounded up a really really poor day for them really it's regarding Hoffenheim do you think maybe people are, is this a vin obviously because it in the last five years Hoffenheim Hoffenheim have had some really good players and some good teams do you think this is really a vintage Hoffenheim side or do you think it's a bit of a kind of not quite at the same level as some of the Hoffenheim teams we've seen in the last five or six years, Rory. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's uh, a vintage Hoffenheim team. I think, yeah, I think we'd be lying if we said that. Um, they they've got some good some good players, of course. Um, certainly, one exciting player is Baumgartner, who scored today. I think he's someone that I. That I wrote about um, right at the start of the season has been one of the six young players to watch, and I think he has played well for them um, this season. So he's naturally been a bright spark for for the club. Um, they've obviously had the high of, of beating Bayern Bayern Munich earlier on in the season in a fantastic display. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it's been a bit of a well, as you say, probably a reflection on the. The current status of the team they they are being stretched by being involved in europe i think uh maybe haven't got as much depth as as some of the other teams naturally do um so yeah at, at present they're not a vintage hoffenheim team and not the best that we've seen uh, at the moment are they good enough to compete with the best teams in the bundesliga on their day absolutely they are yeah without a shadow of a doubt so I'm sure they'll come good, um, whether it means they have to get knocked out of a European competition to, as a compromise to get themselves sorted again, maybe. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to see, I guess. Yeah, but a, a bit more on that point. I think that is a key point as well, because I think that uh, perhaps uh, Dietmar Hopp, the owner of them, maybe he is focusing more on the Europa League this year, because I think obviously Hoffenheim, they still haven't managed to get the first major silverware. And I mean, I don't know if any of you guys know about Hoffenheim, but it's literally a village in the middle of nowhere. It's like, it's really a rags to riches story, you know? Like, I remember a story I was driving on the Autobahn in Germany and I just saw a stadium and I was like, Who's, whose stadium's that? So I literally, I, I got off the uh, the exit and I went to drive up to it and it was Hoffenheim. I was like, really? And it was literally like a village of like maybe five or 6,000 people, that's all. Wow. So if you think about like a village in the middle of Norfolk, that's basically what Hoffenheim is, you know. And so, I mean, obviously winning a trophy and putting them on the map, especially a European trophy, will be absolutely, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so maybe it is a, a kind of voice because they do go strong usually in the Europa League as well. Even though the group was pretty weak, really, all said and done, they did play a strong team, especially for the first four fixtures to make sure they got qualified. So... That could be a point as well, but I still don't think they're any in any danger of relegation. Really, I mean, they always get a result when they need it. But maybe Hopper said, "Look, I want a trophy this year," you know. So it could be. I mean, I don't know for sure, but that could be part of the thinking as well, potentially. Okay, so let's swiftly move on to the um, another game on on the Sunday afternoon, which was it was so close yet so far, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no wins since yeah. the 17th of January. It's going to come up to uh, 11 months very soon. And it, they were literally two or three minutes of extra time away from a famous win <laughs> in Augsburg. But yeah, I mean, uh, a last minute uh, Marco Richter equaliser. 
a header from the cross, poorly defended again, really, wasn't it? I mean, they switched off after, to be honest, they were the better side for most of the game. I mean, uh, a difficult start to the match with, the, obviously, the big talking point was the horrendous injury to Marco Hoot. I mean, that was a horrible one. I, I just read before that he was concussed as well, so he's probably going to miss the next two games at least before the winter yeah. break, which is not ideal for Schalke. Then, obviously, the, the own goal from Serdar from the excellent whipped-in free kick. But then in that second half, they came out flying, didn't they, Rory? I mean, it really genuinely looked like they were going to get a win. But what did you make of that second-half performance? Yeah, I was really impressed. Actually, I didn't, I didn't expect that in the in the slightest. To be honest, I thought, as you mentioned, with with the injury to Oots and then and then going the goal down. I mean, that's that's two kind of big blows, especially losing one of your better players of late. Um, that that obviously be massive. Kind of, you know, it would have rocked them basically. Um, to the extent there, you think, oh, the you know, Augsburg will come out in the second half, get a couple more, it'll be job done. Um, but yeah, obviously Schalke came came out of the blocks really well, and, and then they obviously got themselves back into it um, via um, via Roman, and that was you know that was kind of like the catalyst for their second half. They were really good. Um, obviously, they were helped by Augsburg going down to ten men. Um, naturally, that's a bit of a game changer as well. And then from Augsburg being in this comfortable position, 1-0 up, cruising to a certain degree, um, and then the game's just flips on its head, and then Schalke get themselves ahead with about 20, 25 minutes to go, and you're just thinking, oh, can they hold on? Um, I was Obviously, I was closely watching it, and then I just turned my eye away from the game for a little while, just at the end, where, excuse me, where I thought they'd done the job. And then, lo and behold, the yeah, the see the kind of the story of their season. Um, Augsburg are able to get yeah get the equaliser um, very very late on that. Yeah, that'll be a heartbreaker for for Schalke and all their fans because what what a lift that would have been um, ahead of the festive period. Um, so yeah, it's a great shame that they weren't able to get over the line, but at least they can take some some positivity away from this weekend because I thought the second half performance was especially good. Um, let's let's hope that this can can push them into into some better better form in in the coming in the coming weeks. Obviously there's a there's a midweek fixture to be played so maybe they can get you know a bit of a bounce from that and then go into next weekend as well. So we'll have to see um, but at least it's a point it can push them a little bit closer to the teams around them. Um, but yeah, so close, but so far for the Schalke boys. Yeah, it, it ended up being quite a bad-tempered game as well because I think that the Augsburg players felt as though um, Niederlechner's sending off was a little bit harsh. I think, I I, saw, I don't know if you saw, but the Niederlechner's reaction from the bench when they scored that goal, he was absolutely furious, you know, and the, the Augsburg manager as well was really giving it to the Schalke team when they got that last minute goal. So it was very much, a, I think it's got to the point where nobody wants to be that first team to lose to Schalke. <laughs> you know, and I think, um, yeah, they, you could see the relief in the Augsburg players really when they got that last minute leveler because, I mean, yeah. for them, as you say, they were cruising at 1 0, really. And I mean, it, it was a terrible 20 minutes at the start of the second half. And they almost had what really you could classify as a pretty embarrassing defeat, really, all in all. But I mean, and also on the flip side, you saw when Bougielab got that second goal for Schalke. I mean, 
literally you'd have thought they'd won the Champions League. Like all of the players and all of the, uh, the substitutes ran onto the pitch hugging together, you know. And I mean, it, it proves just how desperate Schalke are to get that goal, that, that win, yeah. doesn't it? But I just couldn't quite believe it when I saw Richter head in that equaliser. I when it went to one, I thought it's game over. I, you just had a feeling that they had another couple of chances to get that third goal as well. And it's just, yeah. uh, oh dear, oh dear. I mean, obviously moving forward, they still, they can take a bit of confidence from that because the two goals were pretty well-worked goals. I mean, Raman is, he, I mean, he, I like that little chip finish, that lob yeah. chip finish that he has. I mean, he's scored a few goals like that recently and it does seem as though they're starting to create a little bit more now from open play because at the start of the season, it was like, unless they had a free kick or a corner, they were basically yeah. like creating nothing from open play at all. The last two or three games, they have created a little bit more, I guess. So going ahead to Freiburg midweek, I mean, it is possible, you know. You do get the feeling they're getting a little bit closer, don't you? But it's, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, even then, it's still going to be difficult to beat Freiburg with a couple of injuries today as well. So, I mean, we'll just have to see. As for Augsburg, I mean, they've, they've kind of lost the impetus they got at the start of the season, but they do have that fight back. I mean, I think this is like the third late equaliser they've had in th the last three games now, So, or three in the last four games. So they are showing a lot of character, but they're another side that can probably do with a win because it's mm -hmm. only one win out of nine for them now. So it's a little bit of a ropey run, I guess, yeah. for them. Okay, let, let's move on to the final featured game, which was in. Uh, it only ended up one all, but it was a pretty entertaining game on Saturday night between Union Berlin and Bayern Munich. I mean, a really, really chances galore uh, either side, but I would say that one all or two all would have been a fair result, to be honest. I think both teams had a lot of uh, chances there. I mean, once again, Union Berlin flying out of the blocks. They seem to be a really, really fast starters, don't they? Obviously, forcing the save from Neuer and then the, the following corner headed in for an excellence after, I think, only four minutes as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rory, do you, like we've talked a lot about Union and I think they are having a great season, but uh, do, do you think they almost start too fast and then uh, they give themselves a, a lot to hang on to at the end of games? Um, I, I mean, it's an interesting thought. Uh, it's certainly something that we've already mentioned with regards to another team being Stuttgart, where they potentially kind of blow themselves out of the water and then struggle potentially in the second half a little bit. Um, but Union um, obviously absolutely deserved to get a point out of that game um, in in regards to their fast start. Obviously, Awonyi is threw on goal twice, um, either side of them scoring. Um, the second the second time, he's um, obviously he's got to score, really. 2-0 is, you know, is potentially a different prospect. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're huge moments in the game with regards to Union potentially picking up three points rather than one. Um, but, they yeah, they are impressing. It's certainly... A great way to respond in terms of coming back from from the Berlin derby. They've come now and got a point off the champions. That's fantastic. So it does show that they've got a uh, good bounce back ability. Um, so that that's obviously good to see. Uh, buying themselves, um, yeah, kind of, still kind of stuttering through the season in a unspectacular way. Um, certainly of late, I think in the last month or so, they've. They've kind of just got through games where they've had to. Um, good to see Alfonso Davies back on the pitch for Bayern. I think that'll, once he's back match fit, I think that'll make a, a big difference for them. 
Um, but they defensively buy and still do look sh uh, shaky. Obviously, we had Prince on the show last week, and he referred to their uh, lack or their yeah their lack of ability in terms of being able to keep clean sheets. That has again obviously reared its head, and realistically, Union could have got way more than one goal. Um, so yeah, so that'll certainly be a worry. Um, obviously, the embarrassment of riches that they have going forward they're never really going to be out of games unless they're three or four you know goals down um so you know they're a dangerous team and they're you know absolute giants and title winners uh you know for a reason so they'll be able to bounce back and the important thing is for this season in terms of making it an exciting season in the Bundesliga is the fact that at least the teams in and around them are being Leverkusen have made the most of buying slipping up so they're not getting away with it so obviously now we've got Leverkusen who are top RB uh, in and around them as well and um, playing some really good football as well so it's yeah it's far and away like a couple of weeks ago I think they'd established a, a, a couple of point lead and we we're thinking uh, especially after they beat Dortmund maybe we're thinking it could be a, another predictable title race um, but for, fortunately, I think we're going to be in, in for a great title race this season as a result. So, yeah, it, it keeps things really interesting, in my opinion, which is great for the Bundesliga. Yeah, absolutely. I think with Bayern, it just seems to be that it's so sloppy at the back at the moment, aren't they? I mean, as you say, Union, they had so many chances. I mean, I don't know if you saw, I think there was one move um, when literally Uni, uh, Bayern, they made about three mistakes at the back. I think it was Alfonso Davies kind of headed back and he, uh, the, the striker for Union ran onto it. Then he skipped past another player, and then Boateng was just kind of skinned as well. Yeah. I mean, it's just very, it's very much unlike Bayern, really, isn't it? But I think, I mean, we, we've talked a number of times about the fact that before Christmas, they, they often don't uh, perform at the best, you know. But as you say, a lot of teams have capitalised, and I, I don't think it's an absolute shoe in that Bayern are going to win it this year. I think... You've seen in Europe, I mean, Leipzig have really, like, they seem to have grown a lot of confidence from that excellent run they had last year in the Champions League. I mean, showing a lot of bottle to hold on against United midweek. And then, obviously, like, the, the, the winning games in the Bundesliga as well, and they're not losing. So, I, I see a bit more steel in Leipzig and definitely in uh, Leverkusen as well. And even Dortmund are only five points behind. Uh, so, you never know if, if they get on a run. They're not out of it. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay, so let that rounds up our four featured four games. So let's have a look at the, the other games that weren't quite so uh, dramatic but still entertaining. So, yeah, Friday night, a 2-1 win for uh, Wolfsburg over Frankfurt. So 11 games unbeaten now. It seems a long time ago that me and Rory were slating Wolfsburg for this boring <laughs> style of ambitious football, doesn't it? Because I think the last few weeks they've had late winners or late equalisers and they really seem to be like a team that are fired up to get in that top four or five now. Yeah, And obviously, Wout Weghorst, nine goals for the season now. I mean, he's just flying, isn't he? It's, uh, Rory, did you, did you think it was a great performance from Wolfsburg or more just like a hard-working win, really? Um, I, I certainly think they were the better team on, on the Friday night. Um, and ultimately, a bit of a bit of a late show has got them out of jail. Um, and Vekhorst's finish for for the second goal is is clinical, and obviously the sign of a player who is, you know, riding the crest of a wave is really confident. Um, so that's great to see. Um, as we've just kind of been chatting about the title race and and things like that, um, and we said, 
how Dortmund are only X amount of points away from, from the top of the table and still got a chance. If we're considering Dortmund still have a chance, then we have to say that Wolfsburg have got a great chance as well. Um, I mean, you don't go 11 games unbeaten in the Bundesliga, you know, as a fluke. Um, I think we have to really recognise and give and give the team a lot of credit, uh, especially as we were certainly probably one of one of the team's biggest critics early on. And um, I think we were fair to say that as well, because it wasn't good to watch and, and they were kind of just scraping their way through games. But it's a great habit to get into, not, you know, kind of you, you forget what it's like to lose and you just go out there and you expect to win games, you expect to be in games. Um, so it's a great kind of uh, way uh, or like way of thinking, a way to kind of play football. So they're looking really good. Um, and hopefully it, it can continue because, like we said, uh, the more teams that are competitive at the top of the Bundesliga, the better because it makes it a more exciting race uh, for European spots and the title race, etc. So, yeah, job job done for them. They can move on and, and move on to midweek and hopefully get another another big win. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, obviously, as for Frankfurt, it's just uh, I was a little bit shocked, but they've only won two out of their eleven games this season, and it's uh, they've had seven draws and two defeats, which is good. They're proving hard to beat, but it's just the, the again. Uh, you probably say it's not really so much bad performances, but it's just about uh, it's a hard league this year, though. You know, I mean, it is. There's a lot of good sides. You've got six or seven really good sides in there. There may be another three or four decent sides on top of that. So it is hard to win these games, but they do need a win again soon, Frankfurt. Unless, uh, again, they're not relegation candidates, but it's just uh, you don't want the season drifting off into that lower mid-table kind of place. Because obviously, Frankfurt, they they made the European, the UEFA, the U Europa League, sorry. <laughs> they made the Europa League semi-finals only two years ago and only yeah. lost some penalties to Chelsea. So they are a team and the fans will expect a bit more than what they're delivering at the moment. Yeah. Okay, so on to Gladbach 1, Hertha 1. Obviously, Gladbach having an amazing week, a dramatic week, quality, sensationally qualifying through one of the craziest groups I can ever remember in Champions League history, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, a great, a great achievement there. But I mean, it's another draw in the league. Rory, do, do you think they'll be happy with that? Because I mean, Hertha are a good away side. I mean, uh, their away performances, there's nothing wrong with them. Do you think they'll be happy with that? Or um, yeah, It's a tricky one, really, because as you mentioned, they've been, you know, their attentions have been drawn very much to the Champions League because of how the, the group stages have, have progressed and obviously a fantastic evening for them uh, on Wednesday night when they did go through as a result of, of Inter not being able to beat um, their opposition. So that that's a huge high for them. And then but very quickly you have to go back to the realities of Bundesliga life and they need to get themselves going again. And so obviously Mbolo this week has kind of bailed them out with the equaliser. Um, but as you said, Hertha obviously are this this odd team that travel really well um, and obviously don't seem to do as well at home. So I think all those factors mixed in, you could always predict that there was something for Hertha to be gained from the game. Uh, and so a draw is far from a shock, I'd say. Um, what Mönchengladbach probably could have done without is another midweek game. But of course, the yeah. Bundesliga... We've got a full, we've got a full round of it this week coming. So obviously, having just finished the group stages, I guess they'll be used to it. But I'm sure they'll they'll 
probably be praying for a bit of a winter break, get themselves sorted, um, and then they can go go a bit stronger in the Bundesliga again because they need to push themselves back um, back up into that top four. Yeah, I think for Gladbach, it's just about kind of maintaining the form, really, because I think they will fancy when they get a clear run and a bit of uh, daylight in between the fixtures. I think they're the kind of side that can go on a four or five match winning run in the Bundesliga. But I think at the moment, it's a small squad. You've got to remember they they're not a club that have got tons of money, you know, and like it's the same kind of 15, 16, 17 players you're using two games a week. And what this is going to be the seventh midweek game of the season, this midweek one, when you consider the six Champions League games as well. I mean, you've got to remember, we only started the season like in the middle of September. So, I mean, it's absolute. And on top of that, international breaks when a lot of players would have played two or three games as well. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's really, really been tough for them, hasn't it? So, I'm just really glad they got through on Wednesday, to be honest, because I think if they didn't, a lot of the hard work would have gone to waste, really, I guess. Yeah. But I think the fact that they did manage, I mean, obviously, a lot of luck went their way. It was very lucky relying on other results, but still, um, like they managed to do it. And it's a massive achievement. Now they've got that glory tie. Probably again, possibly against one of the English teams or the big Spanish teams, but they've they've got to start getting wins in the champ in the the league as well because they do want to be in and around that top four because they have a very good team on paper, that's for sure. Okay, so let, let's move on to for me one of the performances of the week. If not, uh, if it wasn't for for probably Stuttgart, say one of the best performances of the week, Freiburg just really dismantling for Bielefeld in a bottom of the table clash. Their first win since the opening day of the season when they won away at Stuttgart as well. But, I mean, a really good performance. Just just unfortunate that it took until the 79th minute to finally get the opener, wasn't it? I mean, obviously, Niels Peterson, well, what was he thinking? I mean, he is kind of their target man along with Grifo. He's the one that's supposed to be getting the goals, but, I mean, he missed two. <laughs> Like, I mean, it's not yeah. acceptable in such a big game to be missing chances like that, is it, Rory? I mean, it's just a sitter, those two chances. Yeah, well, to be honest, I think, yeah, Niels Peterson probably owes his his teammates a few a few drinks in the bar or maybe even owes Van der Horn a pint after he dived in to give away the penalty because, <laughs> I mean, obviously we laugh, we're, you know, kind of laughing about it, but at the end of the day, if that penalty isn't one with 12 minutes to go and they go on and draw the game, that could obviously they're two, two goals that he should be scoring, of course, uh, as a striker, as anyone, as a professional footballer. Um, you have to put those those chances away. So, yeah, he's got out of jail there a little bit. Um, but aside from that, yeah, the, the, the team, Freiburg, played really well. Um, don't think Armenia really kind of came into the contest at all. Um, but... I, Testament to Arminia again because they weren't really in the contest, but it was nil-nil up until the 78th minute. Uh, so if you've got an uncanny ability to be able to do that, then that gives them great hope going forwards. Um, but yeah, Grifo is a fantastic player. He looks, he, he's so good on the ball. Um, a great touch and understanding of the game. Um, so obviously they need to keep hold of him because he's he's been doing some great work for them of late. So, yeah, superb performance, really, and, and, and a much-needed one for a big three points for them. 
Yeah, I think Freiburg, they are a good footballing side. I mean, I think they lost away a little bit the last few weeks, but I, I don't really think they've been bad performance-wise. It's just, again, it's just it's hard to get those wins when, when it's such a strong league, you know, in these top five leagues, it's not easy to get the wins. You can play well and lose. That's the problem, you know. And I think it is a case of... But, I mean, as for Bielefeld, I mean, I've got to say, Stefan Ortega, what a game he had. He was, like, individually keeping them in it. And then, obviously, I mean, an amazing finish from Jiang as well, who'd only been on since the uh, the 86th minute. And a beautiful <laughs> chip finish yeah. as well. I mean, I think he's going to be getting a call-up in place of uh, Peterson for the next game. <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah, but, I mean... Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was... Um, You've got to be looking at Bielefeld at the moment, though, and thinking the arse, there's just a lack of quality, isn't there? I mean, with all due respect, if you go into a team like Freiburg, who are kind of one of the bottom five or six, you'd imagine, and you're getting outplayed that badly, it, it doesn't bode well, really, does it? Let's be honest. And I mean, obviously, they got that big win against Mainz last week, and I... But all in all, I'm really starting to fear for them and starting to think, obviously, with, with Schalke slowly improving performance-wise that it could be automatic relegation for them more and more as every week goes by, really, at the minute. But, yeah, uh, moving on to another excellent six-point game, uh, which was really, really... a uh, Probably Cologne might be feeling a little bit lucky to have won that one, to be honest. 1-0 away at relegation rivals Mainz. But it is now seven points in three games from Cologne, and things are two away wins in a row. Obviously, the win at Mainz backing up that brilliant win at Dortmund a couple of weeks ago. But, I mean, uh, Rory, would you say they got a little bit lucky with Mainz missing so many chances in the last uh, 20 minutes or so? Yeah, I think they're just happy to cling on, weren't they? Probably a case of what, what Schalke weren't able to do today. Um, yeah, it's, it's a big result for them, obviously, especially going down to 10 men uh, in the second half. Um Mines probably be kicking themselves because again they've had chances. I feel like we've been saying that quite a lot lately. Um, it's obviously it's great for a team that are struggling that you're able to create chances. Obviously, you just need to take them. Um, Mateta, of course, has been really good for them this season. He'll probably be one that feels a little bit guilty about not converting one of his chances. Um, but yeah, huge, huge uh, win for. Cologne, they get themselves a, a big three points, and and it pushes them further, further up the table, out out of trouble. Um, obviously, there's still you know a condensed, um, say bottom bottom six even now with Verda uh, in the mix. Um, so yeah, it, it promises to be a very tight uh, relegation race. Uh, well, come the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's obviously two horrible defeats from Mainz as well. After looking like they turned the corner with four points from two games, they've now lost to Bielefeld and Cole in back-to-back -back weeks. I mean, that's not good, is it? As you say, they've missed bagfuls of chances in both of those games as well. So, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it's not looking good for them again at the minute. Okay, let's move on to the last game of the week, which was, I mean, this was just a walk, a Saturday afternoon walk in the park for Leipzig, wasn't it, really? I mean, it was like the game was completely dead and buried after, what, 25 minutes? It was just a non-event, really, after that, which was the perfect tonic after so many fixtures, obviously, in recent weeks for Leipzig. But I think, yeah, I mean, they're looking, to me, I mentioned it before, to me, they're looking more professional than ever. I mean, last season, for me, they slightly underachieved in the league because of stupid results in the second half of the season. But this year, I think they've learned from that. 
And I think perhaps aided by their Champions League run, that's given them the confidence that they are a team that are really uh, kind of worthwhile. And I mean, Danny Olmo, what a season he's having. I think they've got a few players there, Olmo and Angelino, who are just having amazing seasons, aren't they? And I think uh, Danny Olmo, what a great second goal that was. It was, um, yeah. yeah. Rory, have you been impressed with him? Yeah, he, again, he's one player that I thought would make a huge difference for RB this season. And I think it's proving to be the case. As you mentioned, a really nice team goal for the second goal, which which Olmo uh, then eventually finishes. Um, uh, well, obviously, there's a bit of potential kind of controversy around the first goal in terms of how the penalty was given, uh, with a stray arm coming across the face of Paulson. Um, it's just one of those ones where you're not too sure. It's a 50-50, I guess. Um, bit harsh, in my opinion, but obviously the penalty slotted away and the game's effectively done early doors. Um, yeah, what a week for RB. Um, won't go into too much detail as <laughs> I'm still grieving uh, as a Man United fan in terms of we've we've already been chatting for quite a while. Um, so, yeah, a very professional performance, as you mentioned. They're looking, uh, looking very, very strong indeed. Yeah, and as for Vader, I mean, they're just looking so toothless at the minute, aren't they? I'm starting to get a little bit worried. I think the last, since the Bayern draw, they've started to look like a side that finished third from bottom again last season, haven't they? And I mean, they badly need to start getting results and fast because they are getting dragged into that bottom five, six at the moment. Okay, so that, that rounds up our uh, week 11 view. So remember, we do have the midweek fixtures as well this week. So we're going to... Re- uh, Move on to Petrie and Pundit's predict for the midweek Tuesday and Wednesday night, week 12 of the Bundesliga. So over to Rory for that. Yeah, let's get into it. I will probably have to spin through these a bit quicker than usual as uh, as the show has been a little bit longer. as There's been a lot to talk through this week, of course. Just before we do, a little bit of a score scores update with regard to how me and Mark are doing against each other. Um, we weren't able to do a count-up last week because of the Monday night game. So I've won these next two get, uh, match weeks in the predictor game. So at the moment, the scores are 6-2 to myself. So Mark, Mark's going to have to pull it out of the bag soon. He's going to need a couple of back-to-back wins. The midweek, a midweek section and then next weekend. So he's got a great chance to come back. So straight into it uh, with Tuesday night, 5.30 game, uh, which is Eintracht Frankfurt hosting Borussia Mönchengladbach, which you can catch over at JJD TV Watch Along, which will be um, a special appearance of both myself and Mark on the first half an hour of that. So please do go to his channel. Check that out on Tuesday for the Watch Along. It will be a great, uh, great for us to chat through everything. So, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. Um, personally speaking, I think the game will be a close one. I'm saying 2-1 to Mönchengladbach. I'm actually going 2-1 to Frankfurt there. Very good. Uh, but moving swiftly on then to the Tuesday night games, uh, Hertha are hosting Mines. I think that'll be 1-1. I'm going 2-2. 2-2, very good. Uh, then a VFB Stuttgart will be playing against Union Berlin. It promises to be a very exciting game, I think. I think Stuttgart will just edge it 2-1. I've also gone 2-1 Stuttgart there. Very good. Uh, and then we've got Werder Bremen hosting a battered and bruised Borussia Dortmund, but I think they'll get a reaction uh, and they'll win 3-1. Yeah, I think if they were playing any other team, I'd probably go for a draw here, but I've gone for a 2-0 win for uh, Dortmund. I just think Werder looked toothless. 
Brilliant. Uh, moving on to the Wednesday games, the 5.30 game will be Schalke hosting Freiburg. So another big game at the bottom of the table. Um, I think Schalke will do it. So I back them 1-0. I've gone for a one-all draw there. <laughs> Very good. Moving on to the evening games on Wednesday, Hoffenheim host another great side in the shape of RB Leipzig. I think they'll do all right. I'm saying 2-2 in this one. I've gone for a 3-1 Leipzig win. Very good. Uh, then we've also got Bayern Munich hosting Wolfsburg. So this promises to be an, another great game. And I'm saying 2-2 again. <laughs> yeah, massive test for the unbeaten record. But I'm also going to go for a one-all draw. I just think uh, Bayern are looking a bit stodgy at the minute. Yeah. Uh, then we've got FC Cologne hosting Bayer Leverkusen, uh, the new Bundesliga leaders. And I think the leaders will win 3-1. I've gone for a 2-1 Leverkusen win there. Very good. And uh, the match day will be rounded up by Armenia Bielefeld hosting Augsburg. And I think Armenia will just do it 1-0. Yeah, I've gone for a 2-1 Armenia there. Yeah. Fantastic. Just before we move on to our hero and zero of the week, just to quickly drop in with regards to predictions, we have a brand new predictor league, which uh, has just been started uh, by myself, and uh, we've got a couple of over-the-bar uh, editors getting involved in it. It's a very simple game where all you have to do is predict a home, away or draw uh, on seven specific results. So if you fancy getting involved, there's a chance to win weekly prize pots and jackpots accumulated from week to week. Uh, it's just a fun way of trying to raise money for grassroots football or yourself or even a charity, whatever you prefer. So if you do fancy it, do check out um, the Twitter page that I run, which is the Village Footballer, is the pinned tweet, and you can follow the link uh, to join the league, or DM me, and I will send you an email invite. But moving on to our last segment of the show is indeed the hero and the zero, and I will have the delight of doing the hero of uh, of the match day week. And um, this week we've chosen Silas. Um, of Stuttgart after helping himself to two goals and assists and his performance in their brilliant demolition of the Borussia Dortmund fort. He was fantastic, led the line brilliantly alongside Kuibali. But yeah, a shout out to um, Leon Bailey as well. He was fantastic today for Leverkusen also getting two goals. But yeah, hero of the week is Silas of, of Stuttgart. And then zero, I think Mark will be able to tell us our zero of the week. Yeah, I mean, I want, to be honest, before the news today, I wanted to go for Niels Petersen after his horror show, against, <laughs> uh, finishing horror show against Bielefeld for Freiburg. But yeah, obviously, I think today the news has to cap it. I mean, it's been a shocking weekend for Dortmund, hasn't it? Lucien Favre fired after two and a half years in charge. But to be honest, I think we could give it to the whole Dortmund team, to be honest with you, this week. I mean, mm -hmm. they've not done him proud. They've not done the fans proud. And I think... Uh, the, the 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 great fans of Dortmund expect a lot better from whoever kind of uh, takes the, the role full time. But let's just see if the assistant can turn things around for Dortmund as things stand. So yeah, so that that kind of sums up our um, hero and zero of the week. So let's just finally go to the uh, the last point as well. So remember, guys, we, if you can subscribe, we really appreciate it as well. Just click the red button, the red subscribe button. 
and it really kind of helps us to keep going, to keep making regular content. Remember, guys, also check out our Derby Day dive-ins as well. We've released two episodes with the next one soon to be uh, released as well. We've also got the European show coming up for you as, get, as well, the second part of that within the next couple of weeks, so look out for that. And yeah, so um, let me just sum up by saying uh, if you want to follow us, if you want any more information related to football on Over the Bar, you can check at Over the Bar FB. You can see anything related to League One. Remember to check out the League One show as well, of course. And finally, the, the main thing we have is our site, which is otbfootball.net. You can see just about anything related to football on there. So, yeah. See you there, guys. Yeah. Remember to comment, follow our podcasts and everything. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's all from <laughs> us this week. Catch you next Roll time, guys. <laughs>